Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. They'll never ban Christianity formally. They'll never ban Christianity through the front door. There's not going to be legislation. Why do you need it when you can have corporate titans implement implemented to the same effect without the need for legislation and all that ugliness of debate and so forth? A uh, a full tearing back of the curtains so you see exactly what the motivation is. The latest example of what we've talked about many times comes to us from uh, Chase Bank, Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. And it involves the former governor and United States senator from Kansas, Sam Brownback. J.P. Morgan Chase closed the bank account of a organization that Brownback founded called the National Committee for Religious Freedom. How ironic. And here's a former senator and governor. If they can do it to a former senator and governor, here's Brownback explaining. Well, we started the National Committee for Religious Freedom uh, earlier this year. Uh, We opened a bank account with Chase Bank uh, and put funds in it. uh, And then we just started the process of building the organization up, a brand new organization. And we find out less than six weeks in it, we go to make another deposit uh, in it. And they said, your bank account's been canceled. We'll be sending you back your funds. Uh, that's it. And you know, we were, we're stunned. We're kind of, well, why? What, what happened? And uh, repeated efforts to contact people. Were, uh, we were told, well, uh, the decision was made at corporate level. It's secret. You're not, we're not going to tell you about it. And it's irrevocable. And that's it. Goodbye. That was what we um, that was what we got. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Pro answer line six four six three six D A Turnkey Pro text line in a op ed on the topic. Brumbeck went on to allege that a Chase employee reached out to the nonprofit in question and said Chase would reconsider doing business with, if with his nonprofit if they would provide a donor list a list of political candidates it intended to support, and a full explanation of the criteria by which it would endorse them. Huh. Does Lois Lerner work at J.P. Uh, JP Morgan Chase? No? Since when are they on the morality squad here? I mean, J.P. JP Morgan Chase also ended their relationship with Kanye West. He had $140 million in their bank. 
and they ended that relationship with him. So who, who that, are that, these people? That's that's a little bit different. Well, I mean, they could argue that it's because of uh, anti-Semitic remarks that Kanye West made. But but still, it is indicative. There's no of, more right to free speech. Well, it is indicative of of. So what is the criteria? Speaking of criteria, what's the criteria by which I can open a, uh, an account at J.P. Morgan Chase? Is that clearly defined and well established? And do out of you bank there, and now you're not going to be banking there. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six type in da then a quick comment because they, they're digging into your personal life. I thought we had again this is, freedom of this speech. Is, this is not personal life. Well, businesses. Um, are they asking for the donor lists list of potential candidates intended to uh, that an organization is intending to support a full explanation of the criteria for endorsement? Are they asking? for that across the board from any organization that has any involvement in public policy issues or politics? I don't think so. There's no indication of that. I would be highly skeptical, wouldn't you? And this comes, I mean, this is specific to this organization, but you can be sure it's not limited to Christianity or Brownback being a noted pro-lifer. It's not limited to that. As we've seen, with the banking sector taking aim at, pun intended, uh, at uh, gun dealers. And they won't bank with federally uh, federally licensed firearm dealers because guns are bad, because being pro-life is bad, because being a Christian is bad. And then the only way we're going to make it clear to people that you can't be a gun dealer or a proponent of Second Amendment rights you can't be a proponent of life from conception to natural death. You can't be a Christian who takes your faith seriously. You can be like an ornamental Christian, like, you know, the ones that run Catholic schools these days for the most part. But you can't be a real one. And the only way we're going to teach you a lesson, the only way it's going to penetrate is if we start making your life real difficult. So if, if you're a sidewalk uh, a prayer warrior— then we're going to send the FBI to raid your home. If you're a polished uh, former Paul who's got access to donors and raising money to advance the flag for religious freedom, not limited to Christianity, obviously, but it's a religious freedom organization. But anyway, you know, the idea of, um, uh, uh, of, re- of organized religion generally, because organized religion is a threat to the state, it's a threat to state dominance. So, to the extent that you want to do that, well, then we won't let you bank with us. We'll, and especially the big banks, will conspire to marginalize groups we don't like, much like the IRS, as I mentioned, Lois Lerner, was used to do the same to organizations that were uh, not aligned with the state during the Obama years and so should not enjoy the 501c3 designation that, you know, legitimate nonprofits like Planned Parenthood and all its arms enjoy. They'll never do it formally because why do they need to when they have so many powerful interests that will do it informally for them? Gabby and Schomburg, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hi, good morning, guys. This is, uh, listen, let your money do the talking. We started moving our money out of Chase Bank because I was unhappy how they were pie charting my expenditures. And once I saw NICOR and ComEd in my luxury 
section of the pie chart, which I did not create. They did it for me, and I said, this is a bunch of bunk, and they didn't like their customer service. That being said, now what they did to Kanye, now what they're doing to this group, BS. Take your money. Let the money do the talking. Chase isn't the only thing out there. Wintrust Family Bank. Signature. A community of banks. Signature. Signature Bank. Signature signature Bank. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that's it. Move it out. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for the call, And I don't like, I I agree with, I don't like what Kanye West said. It was stupid and regardless of, but when when did we not have a right to free speech? And that a bank is just going to reject your relation. First of all, the multiple year relationship they had with them. Just take you know take your 140 million and go elsewhere. Well, again, it's what's the standard? Uh, are, are they the are thought they, police now? Are they are they on? reviewing the comments of uh, everybody of everybody who banks with Chase? Even uh, every high profile person who banks with Chase? Are they looking at uh, your social media exactly. to make sure no intemper intemperate comments were made? To make sure that are you a proud boy? Maybe there's we you know who knows and they're going to be the arbiter of what is intemperate and or not they're going to follow in the footsteps of big tech we had this last week with paypal when this the word got out that paypal was going to strip $2500 from your account if you were a purveyor of misinformation however paypal defined it and then of course uh, there was a hue and cry in reaction to this and paypal uh, quickly reverse coursing. Uh, that, I, we don't know how that got out. Oh, where did that come no. from? We're completely flummoxed by the whole thing. And I'm not using PayPal ever again. And uh, that's not true and so on and so forth. And they've gone so far because they've taken such a hit mm-hmm. is uh, sending out this uh, message with an offer. Uh, allow me to sincerely apologize for the inconvenience. Uh, and since we value as a PayPal member, I would like to give you a one-time courtesy of $15 worth of PayPal voucher because we want to keep you and I want you to stay with our PayPal family. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, this is uh, and some people tweeting out, um, can you please increase your bribe to keep me as a PayPal family member to $1,500? And then I'll consider it. Yeah, we're <laughs> negotiating. I get it. Um, but, um, but, I mean, this is where corporate America is. When you see these CEOs you know, railing when you uh, see these and you work for these companies that are, you know, run at least in part by these mid-level dim bulbs in the die space, meaning all your diversity, inclusion, equity czars. What do you think is going to happen? You think it's going to just stay internal within the company and it's not they're not going to turn around and project out to their customers? They're not going to hold their customers to the same line that they're holding their employees. Got a few text messages. FYI, Dan and Amy, excuse me, veterans bank for free at Chase. Okay. Someone else. Amy, you're kidding, right? Yeah, that's an easy one. Veterans bank for free at Chase. Well, that's right. That's an easy one. For for Chase, I mean, this is the way that they look at, look at all the good works we do. Meanwhile, pay no attention to this ugliness. Yeah. That doesn't fly. But, I mean, it's part of that sort of textured approach to get away with their politics and their uh, work, their uh, allyship with the left when it comes to propagating this authoritarian culture that the left is intent on propagating, these new Marxists. I don't care what uh, Jamie Dimon says and 
and that's nice that Veterans Bank for free. But the larger play is what Chase is a part of. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Larry Elder, Brandon Tatum, Alex Berenson, and many more at Freedom Summit Chicago. Tickets available at freedomsummitchicago.com. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Just uh, one more example of what we were talking about before Mike Scott's newscast. Sam Brownback and his religious freedom organization gets debanked by J.P. Morgan Chase. In Nebraska, a uh, local NBC affiliate reporter named Melanie Standiford was fired for practicing partisan politics. Huh? Yeah, God forbid a member of the press corps practice partisan politics. Okay, let me guess, she's pro-life. Uh, Am I right? She is pro-life, and she uh, collected signatures for a pro-life petition aimed at making her hometown of Curtis which is population less than a thousand, a sanctuary city for the unborn. She said in response to being fired for part, practicing partisan politics, I said in response, partisan politics, I don't believe being pro-life is partisan. It didn't used to be. No. Uh-huh. But I remember when I worked at news stations, they'd always say, like, run by us what events that you're going to be emceeing so that we could you know, give the stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. And the pl- um, pro-life movement was very... Uh, borderline like they had to have discussions something she said she did in the privacy of her church you're allowed to be a reporter and a free citizen uh, this is something i did acting as a christian in the privacy of my church so oh, that's not good enough especially not for those ethical watchdogs and <laughs> the press corps oh these I mean, she wasn't these high standards they allegedly hold themselves and their brethren too when it comes to somebody who disagrees with the prevailing opinion Within their ranks, of course. Yeah, if you don't agree, you know, lock and step with what they agree with, they're going to try and shut you down. Take your livelihood away. This is why it's so important that Illinois has media literacy education. Illinois is the first state in America to require media literacy education to be taught at schools. And uh, the uh, uh, Chicago Tribune has some... Uh, misinformation about the media literacy. Which is about misinformation, yes. Yeah, the irony abounds. Uh, and uh, this Hagiographic piece about some this Naperville Central kid 
is now at University of Chicago. Of course he is, who uh, really was the uh, driving force, the inspiration to mandate media literacy in the I schools in Illinois. All weekend long they talked about Uh-huh. Yeah, legislation <laughs> sponsored by Lisa Hernandez. Uh, hilarious. I know Lisa well from my days in Cicero because that's where she is. And she's a toady for Larry Dominic, and she always was. That's how she became a state rep. So yeah, here we go again. Lisa, oh, now she's the state party chairman. She's the really? Democrat Socialist state party chairman. Of course she is. I mean, because she's a useful idiot. I mean, with she's a nice lady, with all due respect, but she's a useful idiot who was just a social climber. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. And um, she was the one who sponsored the or filed an amendment to on legislation to include this media literacy mandate so that, you know, if you're if the kids aren't getting indoctrinated enough through the combination of the Naperville schools and their pee hat dads, then uh, you can layer in this specific course on misinformation. I, I wonder how much of this has spent this course in the last, well, since it's been in effect this year and for the next decade will be spent on Donald Trump mm-hmm. exclusively. Uh, yeah, she's so proud of this kid from Naperville Central. Their hard work helped make Illinois a leader in media literacy education. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to work with them. Many Illinois reliant, Illinoisans rely on social media as their primary, even sole source of news, said Lisa Hernandez. She's really on top of what's going on in the ever-changing landscape of media. Given this trend, it's more important than ever that young people learn to discern truth from fiction and facts from misinformation. Oh, yeah. No, it's nothing nothing better than having the state be the arbiter of misinformation, which sort of, uh, you know, runs right into First Amendment uh, concerns. But, hey, I, I get it. The teachers' unions, the politicians, these are your repositories of truth. Well, they're just trying to help the children <laughs> in this digital age, Dan. Oh, yeah. media literacy. Congratulations to everyone in Illinois. You and we take pride in the fact we're first in the nation to require media literacy education. That's something to hang your hat on. Why is everybody leaving? Did Three. you see this? First in the nation. We're setting it up and knocking it down. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro. Answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Because I wonder if we can opt our kids out of this. Probably not. It's mandatory in high school now. Do you want your kid to fall prey to misinformation? Uh, which is Maybe a, they'll have me be a guest speaker. It's a synonym, by the way, for disagreement. Yeah, that's Just like true. racism is. Mm-hmm. Racist. Synonym for I disagree with you. Misinformation. Synonym for I disagree with you. That's, I mean, from the left's perspective. These are the words they use to apply a veneer to, I disagree with you, and I want you to shut up. Uh, well, if you uh, graduate with honors in media literacy education from Naperville Central, someday you can go on <laughs> to be some mindless drone at the Daily Herald. What a bright future. This is fantastic. We brought you this story last week. Max Rice, who's running for Congress against Jan Schakowsky, and he realizes he is running in a district that has about the same mentality as 
North Korea. So he's not going to win, um, but he's going to have fun along the way and <laughs> and poke at all the sacred cows, and good for him for doing it. One of those sacred cows is these um, self-important and yet irrelevant. The more self-important, the, the 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 more irrelevant they become, the more self-important they pro- self-importance they project. That's Jim Slusher, the managing editor for Opinion. And Jim Bauman, the editor, the vaunted Daily Herald. Well, they had a Zoom call for the candidates because they're so serious about their endorsement session. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so open-minded. I mean, the yeah, Jan Schakowsky looked really worried during that Zoom. Jan Schakowsky, Max Rice. I, I could go either way with the Daily Herald. <laughs> who knows who they're going to endorse? It's going to be based on the quality of the answers. What's well, oh, a toss-up sure. at this point in time, yeah. Yeah, just like across the board. Well, Max Rice... <laughs> enlisted Alex Primetime Stein to represent him at the Zoom meeting. And so when Primetime Stein coded into the Zoom meeting, the editors were confused because who's this guy? You're not Max Rice. Hey, you know, Max Rice got injured. I'm representing him. Um, and they completely Who said did... that. Uh, Max said I could come. Yeah. The, they completely <laughs> they completely didn't understand that they were being punked until Primetime Stein started taking pot shots at Jan Schakowsky. Play that again. It's so funny. Well, here's. In case people missed it. This is how, how offended. How dare you? How dare you not take them seriously? Oh, why? What are they doing Despite now? the fact that they don't deserve to be taken seriously, of course. Because it's not a serious process. Because they knew who they were going to endorse before the Zoom call. I'm a, I'm a proud graduate of the media literacy Curriculum at Naperville Central. <laughs> they sent a letter to the the Bauman and and Slusher at the Daily Herald. They sent this crybaby letter to the Illinois GOP State Party Chairman. Oh boy! Because of the stunt Max Rice pulled. We're lodging a formal complaint against the Republican Party candidate in the 9th District. What does that even mean? Oh, uh, we have lodged we have lodged a complaint with the Republican Party. Um, who's going to adjudicate that complaint, guys? Uh, oh, please go on. This is fantastic. <laughs> lodged a complaint. Oh, boy. Uh, it's getting real now. Okay. Max Rice is now under threat of being put in Republican Party jail in Illinois because of the complaints the Daily Herald has filed. Oh, oh, Joe, gentlemen, I didn't realize it rose to this level. I'm shrinking in my boots. Watch the complaint. Okay, that's great. Uh, the the okay. complaint? Yeah. The charge from the Daily Herald, panjandrums, Jim Slusher and Jim Bauman. These two guys couldn't form a complete sentence together. The formal complaint is against the Republican Party candidate running for Congress in the 9th District who has exhibited behavior so insulting to the notion of democracy and the respect for of our government and such a poor reflection on the Republican Party of Illinois that it should be publicly and prominently condemned by the party. <laughs> That's what I would if I was Dodd Tracy, the, the state party chairman, I would call How back. How would you respond? I would call back. Oh, I want to hear this. And I would also send it in writing because this is I'm responding to a, a formal complaint it is that has a been lodged. Formal complaint, Dan. Yes. 
It should be taken seriously. What would you say? I would call back. I'd say, uh, gentlemen, I got your letter, and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> and then I would send the, like, ha, 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 you know, something <laughs> even more juvenile than Max Rice did. Uh, behavior so insulting to the notion of democracy. Is Max Rice an insurrectionist now? Should he be jailed, gentlemen of the Daily Herald? Uh, and then he goes on to, uh, ex- they go on to explain the horror of what happened uh, in that Zoom call. Uh-huh. In, in great detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mr. Tracy, it would be one thing if this behavior had been directed simply at the Daily Herald. That's who it was directed at, and only the Daily Herald. We deal with all manner of criticism every day, and to be sure, any individual in America has the right to publicly express his opinion of us and our work. However, Mr. Rice and Ms. Stein's prank, to use their word, was not just an insult to the Daily Herald. It was a disrespectful affront to a United States Congresswoman. <laughs> Can you imagine? Jane was sitting there. She didn't know what was going on. And she was just there because they told her to be there. She wasn't prepared or cared. Having been done in the name of the Republican Party, it's a sordid stain. (laughs) (laughs) Reputation of the party (laughs) and the candidates in store, it supports. Uh, Uh, Yes, the serious impropriety of this behavior. Disavow his candidacy. Resign, Max Rice. Is that what they said? No. Well, what, Condemn what, what, and disavow his condemn, candidacy. Uh, investigate his action. Investigate. No, What's an investigator? We see the Zoom call. We got you, you just detailed it and pain, you know, painstakingly here. So what do you? What do you? What do I need to investigate? Uh, 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 thank you for reading this complaint. If you wish to discuss this in more detail, please don't hesitate <laughs> to contact Jim Slusher by phone or email. Oh, please. Oh, oh okay. yes. Oh, like, yeah. Immediately. Well, let's get our people together, and then you get your people together, and let's get around the table and, and figure this thing out. Democracy's at stake. <laughs> Heavens. Max Rice and his sordid stain. I mean, can you be more cartoonish? Can the media in this city and state be more cartoonish? God bless Max Rice for, uh, essentially, to borrow from the great Rush Limbaugh, demonstrating the absurd by being absurd. And I mean, to some, that that's these people are so. They have such great admiration for themselves. You know, there is no—we get—if this had just been appointed appointed at us, oh, well, that's one thing. But no, you insulted a congresswoman. Oh, my God. Uh, if it just had been—I mean, they, they're just, like, so uh, fragile. Self-agilance. I mean, they're they so, just love themselves. They have a high opinion of themselves. Well, and, and they're just so fragile. I mean, there is no ridicule they will tolerate because these are serious— people who are saving our democracy don't you understand i'm a people person what is it that you don't understand i mean it's something out of office space that's who these people are and they deserve to be ridiculed they are not serious people media literacy well so you can grow up to be jim slusher and jim bauman and write this ridiculous letter because some upstart Kid running against Jan Shoa, sitting congresswoman, running against a communist, uses the opportunity to 
essentially show the world that the emperors in Illinois have no clothes? Good for Max Rice. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer. On AM 560. The business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You know, um, we've sparked a bit of a debate last week when we got a caller who said they, he wanted us to get rid of this bumper music that oh, comes in exactly. at the top there. Yeah, then that... Other people have been chiming in via email. Yeah, they... Begging so, us, don't do it. So, for example, Russell, Dan and Amy, love you both. Thank you, Russell. And, uh, and it's not my son, Russell. Part of who you are is the bumper music that ushers in your show. <laughs> Last week, that's... A, a, part of who we are. Yeah, that's that's who who we are. Okay. That defines us. Last week, a caller said he just liked the bumper music. And, Dan, you seem sympathetic to his position. I was. Saying maybe the show needs an update. I love, love the traditional bumper music. In fact. And oftentimes dance in my underwear to it as it begins while I'm washing up for the day. Can we hear the song again? Because we want to envision this uh, listener in his underwear jamming, jumping around, listening to it. No, no, no. Actually, I don't. This is an argument for getting rid of the bumper music. <laughs> please, please do not replace it. Oh. All right. Well, there's one vote for, you know, a vote to your day to our bumper music. <laughs> Uh, what song did you want again? Oh, you wanted your walk-up song. Uh, Spando. What's his name? Spando Ballet. Spando Ballet. <laughs> yeah, something easyless. Maybe like a Christopher Cross sailing. You know, so, so they Boring. Like bring you to that uh, place of tranquility. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll kick it around. Um, maybe something from uh, Lincoln Park. I, I don't know. So it's, I don't know whether to go like hardcore or. Um, Soft and sultry, serene. Serene. Yeah. You can take, take it a lot I'm of gonna, different directions. We're probably going to be debating this for years, and it'll just end up being this bumper music. I'm going to be singing that Christopher Cross sailing song now all day. That's a great song. Put you in a it puts you in a better place. It does. Yeah. It probably lowers the blood pressure. Well, that's why he sang sailing. Yeah. Takes me away to <laughs> where I'm going. Uh, okay, so uh, on Friday we had Jim Glasgow on the show. And uh, I, I think, you know, the framing of this, we talk about 100 of 102 county states' attorneys that oppose Pritzker's purge law. 
the more than half, 56 if you're counting, county state's attorneys who have filed suit seeking a declaratory judgment that the law is unconstitutional and the expectation is that suit, the, all of those suits will be consolidated into a single suit that will be litigated in Kankakee County. We should know more about that this week. But it seems to me like just to frame this for ease of purpose, to take the politics out of it, not me, Glasgow. Glasgow's a Democrat. J.B. Pritzker's a Democrat. One's a professional prosecutor. That would be Glasgow. One is a Chicago politician. So it it seems to me it's pretty simple with the uh, allegations of propaganda coming from the left about the Safety Act, you know, that it's all right-wing extremists when it clearly is not. Uh, Two dozen Democrat county state attorneys opposed it. There are uh, Democrat county sheriffs speaking out against it as well. I mean, this is one of the few issues that crosses party lines in these days. And the question is, will voters cross party lines on the issue? Here's what Jim Glasgow said, just to reiterate some of the highlights from what he had to say, particularly in response to the characterization of the characterizations of the law you're hearing from Pritzker and his flax. Um, On the issue of there's no such thing as a non-detainable offense, and it's all we're trying to do is uh, spring moms in jail, county jails, for having stolen diapers and formula, Glasgow. Well, obviously, that's that is not the truth. As to the diaper example, uh, we don't have any such people in our jail either. But that vast majority of people committing um, you know these forcible felonies, they can't be detained, and that's we're talking burglary, robbery, arson, intimidation, aggravated battery, da 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 da. Da 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 da. He characterized the Pritzker purge law thusly. Did Glasgow Democrat. He, along with Jim Rowe, Democrat, Kankakee County, the first two county state's attorneys to file suit against the law. And then we're going to overlay that with the most lenient criminal law in the country. Uh, With respect to Will County, he's got about 500 people in the Will County Jail, half of whom would be released. J.B. Pritzker said in an interview with uh, an NPR affiliate, uh, before the first debate, hey, if anybody gets released, that's on the prosecutor. About 500, probably about half of them would walk out on day one, and that's not on the prosecutors. That's on the statute. Mm-hmm. And um, what is, Will County is today versus what it will be on January 1 if this law is not enjoined or if there's not a move, a successful move, to repeal it? This is a key point, and it's a point that uh, I took up with Tucker Carlson when I had the opportunity to be on his program on Friday. This is a key point. The difference between what the suburbs are now and what they will be. The reason that I have peace and quiet in Will County is I'm able to restrain the, the violent offenders. I lose that ability, and then the violent predators who are terrorizing Chicago they're going to they're gonna branch out. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA, turnkey.pro text. I'm interested to 
ascertain whether or not that's actually registering, whether people are starting to understand that what's ha- what happens in Chicago and Cook County doesn't stay in Chicago and Cook County if you change the law to be reflective of the policy choices that are currently uh, being made in Chicago and Cook County. Do you get that you're not in some uh, fortress in the suburbs? All it takes is this law to change and for the uh, small set of violent predators who have the ability to have a major destructive impact on your community and your neighborhood and your schools and maybe you, all it takes is to change the law to tell them that what they face now in the suburbs is not what they'll face if they get caught doing something illegal. They'll they'll now be treated to Cook County's style of justice, which is they'll be released. And, right. And not only that, I mean, we asked Glasgow, too, how many p- prisoners are going to be let go. And he said hundreds of them. We said you, tra- half. Know, half. But people and then Pritzker keeps saying that's not going to happen. That's, and then they put out, you know, these campaign ads where CBS2 says prisoners are not going to be released from jail. Well, yes, they are, unless the bill is amended before so, January 1st. So it's real simple. So help us do, do, you, do you believe uh, the Democrat prosecutor or do you believe the Democrat Paul? Do you believe 100 of the state's 102 prosecutors or do you believe the, the Democrat Paul? And, the, and, and do you believe the sheriffs? Do you believe, the, do you believe everyone associated with law enforcement, not everyone, but 98% of them, across the political spectrum, or this governor telling you something that is materially false and easily proven to be material false, trying to keep moms out of jail who have stolen diapers and formula for their kids, doesn't exist. That's a fictional example. Oh, um, and by the way, in case you don't believe that it can happen in the suburbs where you live, the, there's two state's attorneys who support the Pritzker Purge Law. Kim Fox, of course, and Reinhardt, Eric Reinhardt in Lake County. Did you see this story about the man charged in connection with that uh, death on Fort Sheridan Beach? One of the men charged in connection with the death of a man at Fort Sheridan Beach last month has been arrested while out on bond after being suspected of committing an arson in Lake Forest. There you go. And that's and by the way, this is he was out on bond for the arson. He paid ten thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar bond to get sprung under the Pritzker Purge Law, which Eric Reinhardt, the state's attorney in Lake County, supports. There's no cash bail for arson. He just walks. He just walks straight up, and then he gets in an argument. He and another guy get in an argument with a forty five year old man. Uh, in Fort Sheridan Beach, and he ends up dead. And the forty-five-year-old's dead. Now this guy's charged with murder. I mean, how, how is and that, that? That's such a graphic example of what's going to happen to the other parts of the state. You know, come January first. How, how is that any different than what we talk about all the time? Thanks to the work of CW Chicago. Let me introduce you to number forty-six. Oh no, you were talking about forty-five when you were on with Tucker, but now there's a forty-six. Forty-six over the weekend. Forty-sixth person accused of killing or shooting or attempting to kill or shoot someone in Chicago while awaiting trial for a felony just this year. Now remember, these uh, people are on electronic monitoring, but they many of them will not be. 
They will not be under the Pritzker purge law. Prosecutors on Saturday charged a Chicago man with attempted murder for allegedly choking his girlfriend and beating her with a baseball bat while he was on bail for a felony gun case. I'm over with it. We're both going to die today, is what he told her, uh, is what he, she told police, he told her, as he was repeatedly hitting her in the legs with an aluminum baseball bat and choking her. This is a guy that should be out waiting trial, right? Are you nuts? What the hell is wrong with people? Uh, It's just not real. It's just not real. It's just not real. It's just not true. It's just not true. It's just about moms stealing formula and diapers for their babies. Are are you kidding? Uh, Again, 80-some victims, including 20 dead, just with these 46 people who were let out on electronic monitoring pending trial for felony charges just this year, just in Chicago. For violent crimes. I don't understand why they give EM to violent criminals. And now you're going to make that the law of the land in the land of Lincoln. And you think that it will have no impact except a positive one? I mean, what color is the sky in the world of people who think that? Glenn in Oakbrook, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, uh, Dan and Amy. Thank you for taking my call. So I want to refer back to the Lakeview uh, female that was accosted and it was on, on ring camera. Yes. The reason why that happens is because all of the evil people look for the soft targets. The soft targets are going to be hit first. That includes females, elderly, children. And your house is not your fortress anymore because your house will be invaded. So think about what these folks are going to do. They're going to go in groups of four to five in stolen vehicles. They're going to be hunting you. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Pun intended. Thanks for the call, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, the Tucker replayed the uh, the infamous Scream ad that was taken off the air by the networks in Chicago because because people don't want to see what Chicago has become. Oh, it's okay if you recite the statistics. It doesn't drive an emotional response. It doesn't, it, it doesn't penetrate people's consciousness the way that a woman screaming for her life, as was the case with that woman in Lakeview, does. So that's, that's, too, that's too dangerous for us politically. That could actually get some people to pay attention. We don't want paying attention. Well, well right, and we, we don't even know the races of the assailants because they were masked. You can't tell from the video. <laughs> Such but, a good I mean, point. So, you know, I mean, so the, but this is just what Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker fall back on. I mean, you, you're very familiar with it. You're racist. You're this. You're that. All they have is name calling because they're providing over, they're presiding over a lawlessness that has uh, no comparison nationally. An exodus of residents from Illinois, an exodus of, of humanity, not since the seen since the Israelites fled Egypt. And all they have is to create boogeymen who uh, make boogeymen of people who are pointing out what's actually happening. You know, it's one thing to talk about statistics, to talk about the fact that Chicago's approaching 600 murders and 3,000 people shot just this year alone. But, but that doesn't bring it home to people the way that something like that, uh, that, that ad that you show does, which is why they had to collude with the network affiliates in Chicago and make sure nobody sees it because they want you to believe everything's just fine, have a little fun, uh, join Lori Lightfoot in her karaoke contest and everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. 
well said by that person. It's very easy on the eyes. Yeah, yeah. I thank mean, you really. so much. Yeah, thank but, you. but Tucker Carlson was right, and you were right, too, because my sources at Chicago Police Department said, who knows what race they are? We don't know what race they are. And this is a higher up because they were, you know, took Pritzker to task, you know, off air, but said that. And they're, they're looking into they may be responsible for 13 similar crimes in the neighborhood. We don't know. Talk about the race. And there's of a the, Hispanic group. There's a white group and there's a black group. Let's talk about tell you. let's talk about the race of the assailants. Let's talk about with the propriety of running an ad like that. Let's not talk about the underlying reality. That's really the main issue. And I really thought when I asked the question to the governor Prisker that he'd say, you know, we're really concerned about the victim. And he didn't. He said, we're concerned that this is promoting racism because the assailants are black. And we, who knows? Well, that's just, and, again, caring about the criminal more than the victim. That, that's that's uh, Tucker made this point, too, which was good. And we do appreciate him providing some national profile to the purge law in this state, because it's to me, it's the referendum question on the November 8th ballot. It's a referendum, which is a proxy for civilization. Do you want to live in a civilized society or not? Do you? I don't know what the answer is among a majority. They're, they're so buffaloed by all this other, uh, all these these extremist histrionics and misinformation this and insurrection that. It's real simple. Do you want to live in a civilized society or not? Or do you want to live in terror? Ro- Roger, Southside. Good morning. Uh you know, back to this suburban thing, I think crime is, is going to keep going up because here you've got, you know, 65 percent of your business is leaving the city, except the woke major chains. Um, so obviously crime is pushing out to where people are leaving out to if they're not going to another state or the businesses is thinking, oh, I can go out to Mokina. I can go out to uh, Mount Prospect oh, and be God. safer there. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to, it's just a continuation over and over. The only answer is getting rid of absolutely from the city council. And it starts there all the way up the chain. And if we don't get it on this election, the next two elections, we're lost here completely. We're lost either way. You know, no, because we're not lost. We yeah. still, there's still a chance. I mean, why would your, you know, our standard of living has declined. There is no civilization. People are, I mean, I've ducked twice in my house in the past two weeks from hearing gunshots. When it happens, I'm like, get on the ground. And that's what we're doing. And people around me, they know it too. We don't have to go down the same wrong road. Amy, wait until the Republicans take the Congress back. Okay. I cannot wait until sometime in March or April next year when it's like that whoever winds up in the mayoral position uh, spot here is complaining, I need to lay off 1,500 uh, teachers, otherwise we can't open. And they, and you know what? And they just you, – you ever see the Italian salute? You know, when you put your your hand under your chin? Yeah. And you know what? Believe me, one chip at a time, they will get everybody out of here. Okay, when we have a well, 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 here f- – First things first, how about November 8th before we get to February and April? Thanks for the call, Roger. First things first. I mean, you know, the, this is what you're looking at for February and April. This uh, right of a tribune on a candidate forum that was held by socialist organizations. All the candidates, most of them, I mean, except like Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson, 
came to genuflect before people like Ken Berrios, member of the Democrat Socialists of America, who was interrogating all these aspirants to the mayoralty in Chicago. As progressives gear up, blah, 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 progressives, that's a, that's, boy, that's a very stylized way of talking about these new Marxists. And they're all there, with the exception of a couple candidates. That's what you're looking at in Chicago. So you better put a marker down in November, and you better put one down locally, because it's uh, all well and good if Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, and obviously I hope they do. But that is not going to change the trajectory of this state. There's nothing Republicans in D.C. can do to save this state for us. You have to decide. The residents here have to decide if they want to live in a civilized society or not. Sean and Darian. Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Um, my Polish uh, painter, <clears throat> I was talking to him on Saturday, he's painting in my house, and he said he's never he's been here for 25 years. He has, he's had his own business. He said he's never voted his entire life. He said, I said, why? He said, well, I just never liked politics or politicians. So I said, well, why all of a sudden are you voting? He said, because I'm tired of it. He said he's going to vote every Republican on the ticket. He said... He's sick of this free this. He's sick of the crime. So let's just hope there's many more like him to come. Thanks for the call, Sean. Let's hope indeed. You know, a lot of uh, uh, people are talking about this uh, video from over the weekend on the Dan Ryan where a guy was carjacked on uh, Dan Ryan in 18th. The guy walking around in the expressway with a rifle looking for somebody to carjack. I mean, it's it's Mad Max stuff. This is what I'm talking about. He's wearing all black and khaki pants. It's scary. It's like we're at war. So that's the Dan Ryan. Dan Ryan, oh, the Dan Ryan, and people dismiss that, and, you know, these gritty Chicagoans. Oh, well, that's just, that's just what happens on the Dan Ryan. Really? That's just what happens on the Dan Ryan? Guys walking around with rifles, like, carjacking people? And that's acceptable? Shame on you. Uh, but it's, the point is, is stop, you know, these people who live in bubbles. Did you see the man riding on top of an SUV in Edgewater? Did you see oh, Edgewater? Yeah, this guy's uh, this guy's full sprawl like a scene out of a, a bad T.J. Hooker episode. Full sprawl on the windshield, and the guy's zooming up and down the block. He's spinning out trying to get this guy off his windshield. Then he dumps the car, and people are watching this all. And they're you know their phones out, of course. God God forbid they intercede in any way. Call nine one one. Record it. Um, this guy, this guy, the guy jumps out of the car near an L stop in in Edgewater, and, and he's, he's got an electronic monitoring ankle bracelet. Of course he does. Of course he does. Well, you know, is that forty eight hours free where they can do whatever they want? But so it's Edgewater. Is like, oh, the Dan Ryan, oh, the West and South Sides. No, no. Jim and Lyle. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dan. Uh, to your question, whether it's resonating in the suburbs, I point to Thursday evening where I was, and Jeannie Ives had a great panel, probably one of the best ones ever assembled. And the 500 people that gave Corey Brooks a standing ovation, he was the last speaker, regarding what's going to happen January 1st and some of his experiences, tells me, yes, it is resonating. And yes, they are listening to people like Jim Glasgow. And uh, I have a little bit of hope after Thursday evening. All right, very good. Thanks for the call, Jim. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Tickets are on sale now for Freedom Summit 2022. Get yours today at Freedom Summit Chicago. 
Facebook.com. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. The uh, Biden flax promised the big guy, Mr. 10%, President Biden, that if he stopped pawing young girls, they would take him for ice cream. So they did. And uh, on uh, the occasion of him enjoying a cone, he was asked by the <laughs> the dutiful <laughs> D.C. press corps. I think they're all media literacy graduates of Naperville Central, most of the members of the D.C. press corps. Uh, Joe Biden was asked about the economy. Yeah, you know, as people, including like Investotainment celebrities like Kathy Wood, are saying we're in a recession right now and it's going to get worse, much less what it looks like six to nine months from now, as Jamie Dimon was saying. And here's what the big guy said. Yes, uh, our economy is strong as hell. The internal. Inflation is worldwide. Worse off everywhere else in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth, sound policy in other countries, not so much ours. The economy's strong as hell. Nothing to see here. Everything's fine as he licks his basket and Robin's ice cream. Inflation is worldwide, and other countries are pulling us down. Where our public policy is is good. It's just other countries sort of acting as a anchor around our necks at present. Mm. Well, he so seems so out of touch and so. Well, he wanted sprinkles. Fun. Uh, Comrade Bernie was on with uh, Jake Tapper. He also agrees with uh, Mr. Ten Percent about uh, inflation. Not his problem. Not the Democrat socialists in charge. Not their problem because it's worldwide. Uh, here's why we have runaway inflation, according to Comrade Bernie. The truth is that inflation, which is a very serious problem in our country, is a global problem. Uh, in the UK and in Europe, in many cases, it is worse than it is here in the United States. So to blame Joe Biden for it just doesn't make any sense at all. What the inflation crisis is about is broken supply chains. It's the war in Ukraine. And I'll tell you, Jake, what else it's about. It's about the incredible level of corporate greed that we are now seeing. People go to the gas pumps. Prices are very high, lower than they were a while ago, but too high. Understand that the oil companies, the big oil companies, ExxonMobil and the others, are making record-breaking profits. You can't afford prescription drugs? Well, understand that the pharmaceutical industry is making huge profits. Food industry, huge profits. So in my view, what's been going on is a lot of these large corporations are taking advantage of the terrible war in the Ukraine, taking advantage of the breaks in supply chain, and just raising prices to an outrageous level. And I think we've got to go after them uh, on that. Socialists of the World Unite, you have nothing to lose but your public offices. For more on this, please be joined by Jim Urio, analyst for Fox Business, proprietor of Brant's, a delicious restaurant in, well, a restaurant that has delicious food. Yeah, in The, rest, the restaurant itself, the, the structure China. is not delicious. But uh, Jim Urio <laughs> joins us now. Jim, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Guys. So, so uh, economy strong as hell. And uh, inflation is a global problem, and it's mainly greedy corporations that are the culpable party. That's the that's the dem socialist line. It's, it blows me away. 
Yeah, but, and I love how he made it out. Or he definitely has changed because it used to be they were blaming grocery stores and food suppliers and meatpacking plants. And now they're just making sure that what they can get away with is blaming the big oil companies and now the pharma, uh, pharmaceutical companies as well, which that's kind of a new one as well. But the whole theme always remains the same is that, you know, when they say never let a good crisis go to waste, you know, we all used to laugh about it. But what it's really saying is let the chaos caused by a crisis allow us to move in and gain powers that the public never intended us to have in the first place. And that's without question, Bernie Sanders, it used to be, you know, 10 years ago, and to say these guys like Bernie Sanders, a socialist, want to do these kind of things, people would scoff and say, oh, yeah, way to build yourself a straw man. To, and, but he's admitted it, you know, so many times that we know it's absolutely true. He'd be happy if we took over the oil companies, took over the pharmaceutical companies, took over all the companies. That's what socialism is about, controlling the means of production. And that's when they see any sort the notion that the corner gas station is gouging us for prices is the most ludicrous thing on the planet here. And nobody jumped to the aid of these oil companies when crude was negative just two short years ago. Yeah. And, and oil companies were making nothing and losing a, a ton of money. So, like, what, what do they want here? This just it, it, It's so frustrating, I don't even know how to address it. Well, what about Big Candy? Um, Big Candy, you know, oh these rapacious corporations like <laughs> Wrigley and Mars. Um, Candy prices uh, increased 13% last month, biggest jump ever. These big corporations and their greed is going to ruin Halloween. So yeah, there's no doubt. It's big candies, you know, for sure. And when I used to write things about it, I don't know if you know, remember, there's a little corner grocery store in Armitage it's called Palatolo's, an old man Palatolo was like, so he was the guy who ran it. And I kept writing things about how it's his fault. He's the one who keeps jacking up prices. He's driving away in his Mercedes-Benz. Just to underscore the, the lunacy of this whole thing. Big candy? Are you, are you people kidding me? Um, it, it is an obvious thing. And by the way, we corporations, to, to all of a sudden fault them for trying to make money when times are good, and I'm not saying they even are good for these companies because the candy company, I'm sure their input costs are through the roof. And I know this firsthand. Again, we're not buying the same thing as candy companies, but having a restaurant, our input costs went up approximately 25%. So to point a finger at them and say, oh, gosh, they're trying to make a buck and employ people, and those people feed their families and send their kids to college, this is a, this, it's a weird narrative, and I think most of the people understand how weird it is. God, I hope so. I guess we're going to find out in about a month, right? Well, any idea when it's going to get better, Jim? Uh, it hasn't even gotten worse yet. And you're, you're, you're already, she's already looking oh, no, for the no, no. silver I mean, lining. <clears throat> I go to the grocery store no, about two, but... three times a week, and I, I really, I can't take it anymore. Well, and you can hear people oh. hemming and hawing when they're in the produce section, or when they're in the cereal aisle, or when they're trying to buy bread. I mean, bread's a four ninety nine. It's bread. So here's, here's, yes, here's the answer to that question. Big bread. Okay, so just over the last two months, the federal government has passed two separate bills that are hugely inflationary. One of them ironically called the Inflation Reduction Act, which I mean, to see these kind of things perpetrated on the American people is very, very frustrating. But the other one being the loan forgiveness. But as long as we have a government that keeps trying to fight it and keeps trying to spur inflation, it's going to be bad. Now, if there's just a legendary beatdown in these elections come early November, I think we could see a little bit of a change. Now, there's two other elements I'd like to add as well, is that one, the CPI is going to remain high. There's a, it's kind of built weird, which is owner's equivalent rent part of it, which is approximately a third. That doesn't go down in real time. It lags. So it's going to look high even as prices start to come down. But now here's the really bad part is that the, this is the Fed. 
they every the rate hikes have a lag time. That lag time might be six months, it might be uh, nine months before they start to do damage to demand, which is what they want. So by the time they actually see damage to demand, that will mean that we were, they would have hiked rates to the exact right level six months previous to that. So the point I'm trying to make is that it's a statistical certainty that they will overdo it and break something in the economy if they need to wait to see the evidence of their handiwork. And that's what they keep telling us they do. So what that break looks like, maybe it's a real nasty stock market correction. Perhaps it's a problem in the banking industry. We've already seen little bits of problems in the U.K. banking industry. And I think that's one of the reasons that our stock market, mostly our stock market has gotten a little bit of strength in the last day or so because there's too many people who are shorted. But I think people are, the, the next leg down hasn't come because they're wondering, will the Fed start looking at the U.K. and say, wow, if we're still too aggressive, we could completely destroy Europe. And I'm, I'm hoping they're that same. Well, so um, I'm a little confused on a couple of points. First, uh, the supply chain. Supply chains were broken. Did they break themselves, or did uh, the Western economies shut down their economies, the Western countries shut down their economies, and that disrupted the supply chains. Which is it? Because I, I don't think supply I'm, chains. I'm a little shaky on that. And again, break themselves. I can't remember some when I can't remember how something played out. I just go to the mainstream media because they yes, tell me right. how, exactly. I think, and they clear up my memory. But if I was allowed my own devices, my own memory on the thing, I would side with you there and think that the supply chains were completely broken down about a year longer than they needed to be, even if they were really touchified at the beginning of this whole thing. Uh, The whole thing is nonsense. They broke the supply chain. And again, I agree with Bernie Sanders that a portion of the inflation is because of the supply chain issue. A portion of the inflation is because ridiculous government spending throughout this whole thing. And even before the whole ordeal began, we were spending too much money. But then the rest of the ire should be pointed directly at the Federal Reserve, who kept buying bonds and kept rates ridiculously low, way, way, way past when they should have. And that's, that's provable. A, a, year, a year ago summer, the CPI was already printing 5%. They were still buying bonds. The housing market was inarguably hotter than hell, and they kept buying mortgage. I can say that on, on radio. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah you did. You did. Yeah. It's out there. Okay, I'm gonna be we'll just bleep it out when this goes live. Hello. But anyway, so, <laughs> so the point is it, it's just, of course, there's a lot of um, blame to go around, but the Federal Reserve has a ton of that blame. Well, it's all government policy. It's government policy breaking the supply chains. It's the monetary policy. It's the, uh, the the trillions in funny money that has been printed over the last 24 months. And even to the extent that you want to point to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as many do, in sure. part to, to explain the spike in energy prices, particularly for Western Europe. Well, right. And so what incentivized Putin to move on Ukraine the way he did at this moment? Could it have been the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan? So, I mean, even, you know, across the board, whatever excuse you want to come up with, it all comes back if you source it to Biden administration policy. I I think that there's no question of that. Everything we're experiencing right now is a self-inflicted wound. And I just implore, implore, please stop helping. Um, Every time they come in to try to help something, they invariably make it worse. And... um, yeah, yeah. It's just, you shake your head. And the only thing I ever wonder is that how do people – it's so evident now. It used to be shrouded in different layers where people couldn't really connect the dots and how a certain policy was damaging the economy. Now it's right out there, and people like you are coming out every day and explaining this is what happened, and this caused this and this, and that's why a loaf of bread is however many thousand dollars at the store. And uh, I'm just hoping that people see it. The the uh, corp profits thing too, or profiteering, as Bernie Sanders would say, 
It's so interesting because uh, we're, we have uh, equity analysts predicting an earnings recession, and that's going to make things that much more difficult if that comes to pass. And you have the Biden administration and these new Marxists touting the low unemployment rate. Okay, well, go ahead. Go after corporations, investigate them, and punish them the way that Bernie Sanders wants to do. And what do you think that's going to happen to earnings? What do you think that will uh, how do you think that will impact earnings? How do you think that will uh, impact uh, employment? I mean, they, they get away with, it's so frustrating, they get away with pretending all of these issues and all of their decisions operate in silos rather than, they're, rather than being interconnected. Amen to that. And again, I, just, I bring it back to a restaurant, but this example um, can extend to any parts of the corporation. So when you all of a sudden feel like you're in the crosshairs of the government and owning a restaurant in Illinois and in Cook County, you absolutely do. Raising minimum wage, they closed you down during their um, ridiculous lockdowns. And all of, a sudden you, all of a sudden you're making a little bit of money again. You don't know when the next shoe is going to drop. You don't know when the next 25% increase in all your input costs are going to go higher. So you absolutely have an obligation to try to make as much money as try to make hay with the sunshine. And then for them to look and go, oh, you're making too much money. Dude, you just shut us down for six months. What do you want us to do but try to make money? And that goes to every given corporation. You don't know, particularly oil. Remember, in the oil industry, in the same week, about a year ago, they tried to pass legislation that denied um, big integrated oil companies access to capital markets, any fossil fuel companies. And then the same week, they called them and asked them why they weren't pumping more gas. It's like they failed any sort of psychology 101. If you feel the government has you in their crosshairs, you are going to act differently. If you feel that the government is your partner in working with you and celebrating you making money, then you'll act much differently and much more benign. Well, as a restaurant owner, how many times have you had to raise your prices for your customers? This this week is the fourth time. Um, you know, the only one who, Scott Shelley's joke is the only one who makes money is the guy who prints the restaurant menus. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, it's not bad, right? I wish I'd thought of that. But uh, again, this week we had to again. And we just, you know, there's an, another minimum wage increase coming. Uh, and we try to hire a lot of high school kids as part of the community. High school kids aren't worth 15 bucks an hour. And we might have to stop doing that. And that's going to be a, a really a, a sad um, uh, externality from the whole minimum wage policy is that people are going to be reluctant to hire people who are as a favor, you know, like high school kids. I love them. They're great, but they don't really give you the, the, the amount you're paying them. You're mostly trying to engender some sort of sense of community right. and uh, they won't get the job experiences. And then that sets the whole thing off in another direction. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, something else too, I want to get your take on, you know, some um, prognosticators, including Russell Napier are suggesting uh, we're looking at 4 to 6% inflation and stagflation structurally for some time to come. Whatever the Fed schedule is and whatever the market's building in is way too optimistic because, number one, Western economies are transforming in such a way that government plays a large role in the allocation of capital. And number two, our debt levels have simply grown too high to um, to, to, to engender anything but a long-term a long-term stagflationary environment. What 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 do you say to that? Well, there's there's two other elements of that too. Is that the global kind of mistrust that's developing, where we used to depend on cheap labor, cheap flow of goods, that appears to be stopping as well too. So that's another point that goes on the agreeing with Russell Napier's side. However, um, he, okay, the tips markets, the inflation adjusted, where the, the part of the market that's saying what people's opinion of inflation are going forward, what the market is. Is, isn't as worried about it as, as what 
the words you and I are saying right now. So I'm a little bit mixed on it. Remember, for the last 25 years, inflation was incredibly sticky. One of the reasons, because technology is deflationary, particularly things like you know Amazon and the internet. And for consumer inflation, I'm talking about. So you know when you all of a sudden can can cross check the price of any good against a thousand different suppliers of it, um, there are there are some things in place that may slow down um, a whole structural. Uh, secular inflationary spiral. I'm hoping that's the case. So what I'm looking at now is wages. If wages start to skyrocket, keep up with inflation, then I'll be very, very worried that we're caught up in it. But I do think by the middle of next year, um, we could start to see something good, provided we get some better governance. I mean, that's that's the key thing. If we don't at this election, I think it could be a, a cost-push inflation, you know, stagflation, whatever they want to call it, just like the 70s that lasts for six, seven years. Jim Urio, analyst for Fox Business, proprietor of Brant's Restaurant in Palatine. Jim, thanks as always. Thanks. See you guys. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. What exactly is the state of energy availability to the residents of Western European countries? I ask because we've heard that, uh, oh, they've got it figured out. Don't worry about uh, what Putin is doing. Um, But then I see PSAs in Germany from the government. Save hot water, seal your doors, other things to conserve energy to get through the winter. Now, this by itself would not be remarkable advice, but it has a certain urgency to it that PSAs don't normally have when you're just talking about best practices as opposed to ways to get through a crisis. What is the state of energy dependence in Western Europe? What's the winter going to look like? For more on this, pleased to be, and other issues, pleased to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, VP of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation, author of Brutal War, Jungle Fighting, Papua New Guinea, 1942. Time for our weekly confab. Let's start with energy, Jim. Uh, What say you on where Western Europe is positioned? Yeah, so, you know, I think the, the two data points you just described are, are, are compatible. I talk to a lot of Europeans, uh, and most everybody I talk to feels pretty confident that the the gas stocks are adequate to get through the winter. And the flip side of that, of course, is ironically they all believe in climate change, but yeah. they're also all terrified. They don't know what the winter is going to look like, right? So if it's a very severe winter, no matter how robust your stocks are. That could be an issue, not just from increased consumption, but from the the possibility that more people might have exposure to extreme weather. So it, it doesn't really surprise me that Europeans are are super conscious about conservation, because if they have a mild winter, they'll be fine. But if it's a severe winter, they, that could that could be an issue for Europeans. So I, I do think there's a an overabundance of caution there because the, the margin of uh, error, right? If if weather turns out to be a lot more 
brutal than they expect that 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 could be brought. And they're terrified. Look, I mean, the one thing the governments are terrified is they've got to get through this winter and take care of their people because because there is already a, a fair amount of, of domestic unrest. Some of it's aimed at NATO and the leaders and the Ukrainians blaming them for the winter. Some of it's aimed at the Russians. But if you're freezing, you, know, you can be mad at whoever you want. You're still freezing and you're still upset with your government. Well, people could die if they freeze to death. But, I mean, there's a woman in the U.K., listen to this, 80% spike in energy bills. Her 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 costs $78,000 a year to heat her large palatial home. Yeah, this So is even a, rich this people is, are getting nervous, which is a bad sign. Well, well the prices are going to be high regardless, and it is and it is impacting things like factories you know, going at, mass produ- at you know maximum production and stuff like There's no question that... Um, this is this is rough on the Europeans. Um, the 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 real issue is, you know, are they going to survive the winter? And the answer is probably. But you know, when we all go, who do we blame for this? Uh, do we blame the Russians or the West? Is you know, look at look in the mirror sometime for all the little climate change rallies that you went to, um, and and all the little rallies about being indifferent to being dependent on Russian energy, and for all of us who warned you that that. You know, cost. One of the things you factor in a cost is resilience and dependability, not just who's the cheapest thing and why do I get to you know all, all my little pet you know projects. So, so well, yeah, and and oh by just, the oh by the way, I mean the the windmills and the switchgrass and the solar panels, the most expensive and the least resi- uh, the least reliable. I mean, it's a nice twofer. And 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 you buy all that stuff from from China. Um, Three look the. Yeah, the, the Europeans just in the middle of this crisis passed in accordance with net zero that they were going to phase out uh, gas automobiles by 2035, even though, by the way, gas automo- electric automobiles have a higher carbon footprint than a gas automobile over the course of their lifetime. But that, that's aside. The reality is this climate change in net zero, which Europeans still talk about in the midst of this crisis, is utter nonsense. Somebody ran the numbers the other day for, to get for the for the world to get at net zero the world because apparently climate affects all of us china would have to dedicate half of its gdp to green energy hmm. now who thinks that's going to happen in our lifetimes well have you fact so, have you factored in uh, new zealand's proposal to tax cow burps and pee what? to tackle climate yes. change have you factored that yes, in I, have you I, I did do that yes all right. i did do that okay all and, right i'm just and, checking and, you know, and, and the thing. yahoos you know breaking milk in the 7-Eleven and gluing themselves to, you know, portraits <laughs> of uh, yeah, Van Gogh's so, uh, look, I mean, sunflowers. Look, the reality yeah. is, is, is is net zero is a complete and utter fantasy. And China's not going to spend 50% of its GDP getting net zero. This is an unachievable goal. And for people running around and impoverishing themselves, and, and in the end of the day, who put Europeans at risk to freezing to death this winter? And the answer is, look in the mirror, it's Europeans. Why does America have high gas prices? Why can we not affect the, the global prices? Why can we not solve this crisis? Look in the mirror. It's us. We're not producing so like something like a 90% decline in, in, uh, in energy, you know, additional energy resources coming online, even in the midst of a global energy crisis. So as, as long as we persist with this climate change fantasy uh, and the notion that you can buy critical stuff from people who hate you and want you dead and not pay a price for that. that I, I, I kind of think 
maybe you deserve what you get. Yeah, it's a it's a remarkable thing, right? So um, first, it was uh, Putin who let us down in terms of our energy prices, and now imagine this: the Saudis have let us down. They wouldn't uh, apparently agree to uh, a bit of a Biden quid pro quo. Here we go again uh, to delay any uh, production contraction until well, after look, the midterms. I mean, the 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 OPEC thing was a that was a direct response to a request from the president of the United States not to solve energy challenge, not to make sure that you and I can pay our bills, but to get the price of gas down through the election so maybe he could get a few more votes. And it was the Saudis and and the and and the other particularly the Middle East members of OPEC looking at him and saying you're pursuing a deal to give the Iranians up to a trillion dollars, and this isn't going to stop them from getting a nuclear bomb. You're creating an existential threat to our existence. And we know as soon as the midterms are over, you're going to try and get an Iran deal again. We all know this. And and then you want us to lower gas prices so you can get more votes in the election? I don't think so. Is that um, that's, that's the narrative. Is that proposal... Um... Is that proposal problematic, or is that just geopolitics? Um, I, you know, somebody asked that the other day: is is what the president did? Is that just politics, or is is that actually, a, you know, a violation of his constitutional responsibilities? I don't know the answer to that because I'm not a constitutional lawyer. But look, I know for a fact that the administration is is planning on going back. But because the Iran deal, right, they know everybody hates the Iran deal, including Democrats. There's just no upside to pushing for a deal right now, especially as Iranians are shooting women in the streets. But they're going to cycle back and try to get an Iran deal after the midterms. And they think that or now the Iranians will probably do it because the, the Iranians are desperate to tap down internal discord. So if they can sign a deal, get some a trillion dollars, you know, they can placate some people. So that's how honestly despicable um, this administration is, even as we got news today of more Iranian weapons going to Russia that are actually being used as we speak to attack civilian targets in Ukraine. That's just and incredible. so here you have the administration here you have the administration pushing us to say, well, we've got to give billions of dollars to Ukrainians to defend themselves. Don't you understand that we're we're fighting for the West? But uh, but it's okay for us to give in a deal to the Iranians that's going to give them a trillion dollars even though they're helping the Russians kill innocent civilians. That I, how you square these circles? I, I you know, I, I took geometry in high school. I don't remember a lot, but but I do remember it, if you were helping out your enemy, it doesn't end well for you. Well, speaking of Iran, what's going on with their morality police there? And there's been so many riots. Hundreds of people have died, 23 children over, you know, this, this woman who took her Shador off in public and was beaten to death. Yeah, the last numbers I looked at had over 400 deaths and rioting in over 177 cities and over 20,000 people incarcerated. Uh, of course, many, many more injured. I, look, here's the the indisputable evidence that the people of Iran hate the Iranian regime. There's just no arguing around that. Uh, this regime cannot last forever. We don't know when it's going to collapse, but but it can't last forever. That's the message here. And I'm not a fan of regime change or nation building or any of that stuff. 
but why we're getting him a trillion dollars to prop up a regime that's hated by its own people and does nothing but ill and injustice to us, again, I just shake my head and just in lack of understanding. Um, all right. I want um, to to uh, explore this uh, Saudi Arabia thing just uh, for a second. But at first, I want you to give us the formula for calculating the area of an isosceles triangle. Since you brought up high school geometry, oh, you, you brought See, it up. That's what he does. He's, I got you questions from Dan Prof. You brought it up. I, I, I thought that was like a, a drink you could order at a bar. <laughs> isosceles triangle. It is. Uh, what yeah, is it? Light on the vermouth. Uh, when you when you order it, Jim. On the rocks or straight so, up? So, 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 by the way, I, I know it would be an impeachable offense, uh, the uh, dealing, the attempt to deal sure. with the Saudis if it was Trump. And then we'd hear a lot about Jamal Khashoggi and stuff, too. But, of course, we hear right. nothing from the press corps on the Saudis. Um, you mentioned uh, China uh, earlier. Uh, President Xi, it looks like, uh, in a surprise, he is going to get a third term. Wow, how did uh, that happen? <laughs> it looks like he's, he's uh, on, pay, on, pay, uh, on pace to win re-election. I'm sure you're surprised by that. What does a, a third term for Xi mean, especially when there was all that we talked about this uh, last couple of weeks. There's all this uh, rumor and innuendo about tumult within the upper echelons of the Chinese Communist Party. But it seems like that was all just that, rumors, and that Xi still uh, rules with an iron fist. Yeah, I, I think... It, there are two vulnerabilities which um, present themselves, uh, w- which are just we're, we're all confident that because she is going that this this is true. Is one is his impulse that he's less concerned with growth than he is with equitably distributing wealth in the country. Um, that's not a sustainable economic model. So he's even going to turn more away from economic freedom than than he did 20 years ago and the other is he's obsessed about domestic political control so political repression is going to increase i think these are vulnerabilities for the regime that we can exploit so whenever we talk about look i don't like the phrase the company because it's meaningless but but the sense of here's the reality we were we were in a having we were in a battle of economic warfare with china and, and, and the reason why we know that is because they started it. We've been fighting an economic war in which only one side has been fighting. We've got to fight back. And and we have to fight back in a smart way because we have to figure out how to make this country grow and prosper. But if we can do that, increase our growth and prosperity by stopping doing all the stupid things we do and stop doing business with China and, and start protecting ourselves from the malicious things they do, that's going to put more pressure on them. And these internal contradictions of increasing public security and redistribution of wealth, this will this will take the Chinese down a peg or two and make them less of a global threat. He is Lieutenant, Colonel, he is Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, VP of the Catherine and Shelby Colm Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thank you as always. You guys are awesome. <laughs> it's for you. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. If you're talking about it, Dan and Amy are talking about it. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. We got to get our five times August in while we can because Tony Fauci is on his way out. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Your uh, favorite moment from Tony Fauci's illustrious career, 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 646-36DA, turnkey.pro text line. What would you say is his greatest accomplishment, talking about one of the most important public health officials to ever walk upright? That's what we're led to believe. Tony Fauci, on his uh, farewell tour, uh, sat down with Jonathan Carl. For, uh, for a little nice side, fireside chat. The, uh, yeah, the, 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 the human side of Tony Fauci. <laughs> Jonathan Carl, plumbing the depths. The, one of the things most misunderstood about Tony Fauci, one of the accusations most off the mark, those who say Tony Fauci is political, where do they get this? How- so what's the biggest misconception about you? You know, I don't know, John. I think the misconception is that I was misleading people. You know, to say that I, who have been oh, advisor to seven presidents and have never, ever veered one way or the other from an ideological standpoint, for somebody to say that, you know, I'm political. <laughs> yeah, political. I mean, that's completely crazy. It's crazy. No, that's crazy. You mean when he was talking about his, uh, with Ted Cruz and talking about January 6th? Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? It's insane to call that political. You know, um, somebody who served seven presidents, you know how you get to serve seven presidents in uh, in in a significant sensitive post? By being political, by being a chameleon, right? I'm going, yep. I mean, it's that's a laughable answer. I know I'm crazy to say he's political. That's crazy, but here's how Tony Fauci would like us to remember him. I would say, you know, I want to be remembered by as someone who gave everything they had for the public health of the American public and indirectly for the rest of the world. And I just want people to know that I gave it everything I had. I didn't leave anything on the field. I just, you know, I was all there. I will remember you. Yeah. This is my karaoke song. Will you Save it for life. I want that $5,000. Don't let your life pass you by. about Tony Fauci's career. That's the song always reminds me of Tony Fauci. Yeah. I'm so tired. I can't yeah. sleep. Standing on the edge I love Tony Fauci. I hope you will too. All right. I think we're getting past fair use, the fair use range here. I don't want to get to sued by Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, I was just going to hit my crescendo. Well, thank God we cut it off. Uh, here's the Tony Fauci that, uh, here's the America, I should say, that Tony Fauci is in part responsible for bringing about. Uh, meet um, a Navy veteran and single father named Gregory Hahn. He was on Tucker Carlson's program on Friday, right before I was, actually, uh, telling his story of what happened when he showed up for jury duty in uh, you know in the community in which he lives in North Carolina in Harnett County, 
I never thought I would serve up to jury duty and end up uh, behind bars. So it happened. Uh, there was no warning or requirements uh, going into the courthouse. There was no mask mandate statewide, no, no mask mandate uh, in Harnett County. Everyone walked in. There was 98 of us, and we were all in this jury assembly room, and we were told that masks are required per the judge. Now, we were in there for about 20 to 30 minutes, shoulder to shoulder, with three-quarters of us not wearing masks. So the, the virus, if there was virus out there, <laughs> contaminated us anyway. So I was called. Um, when they called roll call, uh, I made eye contact with the clerk, and she said, um, I need you to just come over here for not wearing the mask. So they isolated me from the courtroom, sat there until the bailiff got me, escorted me outside out of the courthouse, and I said, what's going on? She goes, apparently the judge wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. So she brings me upstairs to the courtroom where the judge was having a, a case, uh, residing a case already, doors open, motioned in. There's about 50 to 75 people in there. And I'm, t I'm being told to stand before the judge. The judge then says, Mr. Hahn, I understand that you don't want to wear a mask. And I said, that's correct. And he says, well, it's my, and he says, why don't you want to wear a mask? And I said the exact same thing I just mentioned. There's no state mandate. The governor lifted it May 4th. There's no signs in the courthouse that you have to wear a mask. There's nothing. And uh, he goes, well, it's my court, and I'm going to order you a mask, order you to wear a mask. And uh, are you refusing my order? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, do you know what the consequences are? I proceeded to ask the questions, like, what, what's, what's the consequences for not wearing a mask? And he goes, no, for contempt. I was like, no, I don't know what the punishment is. And he goes, well, $500 fine, up to 30 days in jail. Now, my mouth is uh, speaking before my mind really kind of wrapped my head around what was I was going to say. And I said, I'm not going to wear a mask. And he goes, 24 hours in the Harnett County Jail. <laughs> he went to jail? That's any, and I mean, he got processed. He didn't just sit in a, a holding cell. He got processed, uh, put in an orange jumpsuit, put in with... Oh, mugshot, of course, that comes with the jumpsuit. Uh-huh. And um, so, Holy cow. so that's, that's in part Tony Fauci's America. Here's the other part. It just took one person to make a stand, and yes. no one else joined me. I, I wish there was a movie yeah. scene where more than, like, maybe five people stood up and joined me. Yeah. It's hard doing the right things. And I told my kids, you know what? Always stand up for what you believe in. Don't be bullied. That's right. That's and, right. st and stand up for what you believe in and be what's right. Well, no one's ever going to stand up with you the first time, and that's the point. That's why it's so important for one brave man to stand up and assert his dignity as a man. Uh, lives of others, culture in America, stand in your circle, put your mask over your nose. Get your question authority. Shut up. Get your jab. Let me take control of your children. Uh -huh. I talked to a woman yesterday, uh -huh. er, on Saturday whose son goes to Lane Tech, and he's not doing so well. He's struggling. He went to school. For eight days, his freshman year, that's all that he was allowed. And then his sophomore year was all in masks. And some people don't do so well with masks on. I'm so glad you brought that up because the school shutdown business, I mean, Tony Fauci didn't have anything to do with that. I don't know what you're talking about. I would say that what we should realize and have realized that there will be deleterious collateral consequences when you do something like that. This idea that this virus doesn't afflict children is not so. It does. We've lost close to 1,500 kids so far. But what, much they, less than yeah. the older population, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But you shouldn't discount that it does afflict children. So it isn't without consequences. If you go back, and I ask anybody to go back over the number of times that I've said we've got to do everything we can to keep the schools open, no one plays that clip. 
They always come back and say Fauci was responsible for closing schools. I had nothing yeah. to do. I mean, you're, I you're, mean you're, let's you're, get let's get real. You know, I had nothing to do with school closures. Nothing. Bull jive. I don't know who he you're talking about. He was driving the bus. You must be talking about some other Tony Fauci. He's got nothing to do with that. He said for two years when the schools were closed, um, you know, at some point we need to do everything we can to get the schools open. And that absolves him from any responsibility for the policies that were pursued by these COVIDian politicians around the country. You know what? Listening to that guy, if you say he's political, you're crazy. Crazy. Nothing political about that guy covering his ass like your off-the-shelf politician would for disastrous policy choices and the results that are now being, I guess, more widely understood. They still still a long way to go, but more widely understood. Ralph Rantoul, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning. You know, you were playing some uh, music clips that go along, and I was thinking... Two would be really appropriate. Number one, I will survive because he'll never be prosecuted, and he knows it. And then secondly, it's clear that he really, really, really loves himself. So I was thinking of the autoerotic, I feel loved, Donna Summer. That should be his walkout music. There you go. Thanks for the call, Ralph. Walk-up music. Big uh, Washington Reagans fan. We'll see him at the ball yard, maybe. Next spring. Yeah, remember that? And he was not wearing a mask while he's telling all of us to stay home, isolate, do do the right thing, save your neighbor, save your grandma. And uh, on the COVID uh, affecting children, yeah, there's, oh, yeah. No, there's no question it children. No question it does. So, uh, what's the balance though? So, uh, fifteen hundred children have allegedly died from COVID. Although uh, that's, almost that number is not true. I, I don't believe the number either. In part Absolutely. because uh, flu deaths went to zero among children when, over the last decade, they uh, oscillate between a hundred and two hundred, generally speaking. So, think about maybe um, four hundred fifty to six hundred deaths over three years from flu, which is normally what happens um, pre-COVID. But anyway. Um, not just that, not just whether that number is accurate, but um, is that balanced against the deaths of despair? Yeah. The suicide rate much higher than those who died from COVID. Is that balanced against the uh, assertion that uh, myocarditis has taken the lives of some young people, those who got vaxxed, some adverse outcomes, including deaths? What are the numbers there? Can you give me a complete picture or just your narrow picture? Well, of course, with Tony Fauci, like all the COVIDians, it's just the narrow picture. We don't do cost-benefit analyses. You know why? Because it turns out that the benefits don't outweigh the costs. The benefits of what we did don't outweigh the costs that we impose. Problem. Paul and Racine. So I think the most egregious and probably the most telling moment of who he is was when he let them his in-style cover shot which was i think july 2020 um, posing poolside in his luxury home Mm -hmm. while the rest of us are in deep deep lockdown and i mean i just can't imagine uh, an ego and and self-centeredness to do that while we're you know all holed up and here he is you know all elegant poolside in his luxury estate yeah well he was lucky to have outdoor space which a lot of people especially in the city did not have they yeah. didn't have, and the common areas were all roped off with a caution crime scene tape. Mm-hmm. We had that here in our building, the gym. We had 
caution tape on like it's a, like some homicide scene. Yeah, he really they just he really snipe lo- it down. really loathed the celebrity. Oh yeah, those uh, you know, p- pectorals and the genuflecting before Tony Fauci, and so you'd r- routinely see him on Maddow or on the fungible CNN show, so they oh. could offer their plaudits for everything he says and does. Never challenged. Never bumping up what he said on a topic previously to what he was saying in the moment. He, he hated all that. He just did it out of a sense of duty, public service to every, educate the public. Every late night talk show. Jimmy Kimmel, every single one. Everyone he was the, that, the go girl. As long as they were left. Greg and LaGrange. How are you? Let's not forget that this guy was in power for this guy was in an office for a long time precisely because he was political. He's a political animal. That's all he is. He has a record that is so egregiously wrong that only as a government bureaucrat could he survive. Not only did he botch the AIDS thing, he's botched this for his own, you know, his and, he, and he's grandiose about it. You, When you look at this guy, he told you everything in an effort to get you vaccinated, period. End of story. He inflated what number of injections needed to be performed for herd immunity. He basically made up everything as he went along didn't know anything about transmissibility said it wasn't there yet the pfizer executive comes out and says it in the european union meeting that we never tested for transmissibility he's lied about everything for his own personal gain and what you call that kind of person is you don't call him a man you call him an evil sob that's what he is, and that's how he'll always be remembered, no matter what he thinks in his own mind. Thanks for the call, Greg. He also provided cover for Covidian politicians like, oh, I don't know, Jelly Belly. You know, we're still under executive orders. Right, he signed another one, in case you didn't, you weren't sure. Extended through November 12th. We're leading the nation in um, no cash bail, in mandated media literacy classes, and in executive orders, COVID executive orders. Is there any other state that's still under executive order? Not that I, I no, certainly know, not in the Midwest. There was four. Hold on. Oh no, nothing. No, no. uh, and also, by the way, in the uh, mask covering section of this latest EO, this comes from our friend Emma Woodhouse. Um, all individuals, including those who are fully vaccinated, are recommended to wear a mask, uh, wear a face covering consistent with CDC guidance. So they moved from encouraging to recommending. Hmm, it's a short term from recommending to imposing, as we saw for the last three years. Uh, also, we have, uh, don't forget, at the city level, the Rona Busters, Triple Threat, and her uh, sidekick, uh, your buddy, oh Dr. God. Allison Arwadi, they've got a new oh PSA up. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen it, we'll tweet it out. It is, it's embarrassing. Take a listen. Hello, Dracula here, and you need to get the new COVID bivalent booster. It's the only COVID vaccine to protect against the current Omicron strains and original strains of the virus. None of the other vaccines or boosters could do that, and it can possibly protect against future variants, too. It's called the bivalent booster, and you need to get it now to protect yourself and your family for this fall, winter, and most importantly, Halloween. If you haven't gotten the booster after Labor Day, then you didn't get the bivalent booster. So make the decision. Get the bivalent booster. Omicron, more like Nomicron. Be shy, variant. Get the bivariant. <laughs> and, uh, Be shy, variant. Get the bivariant. Omicron, more like Nomicron. I believe that was Tony Preckwinkle playing the role of Dracula. 
stuff. I mean, it's just such a bizarre public service announcement to try to get people boosted. What are you talking about? It's fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Oh, that's right. We're I having forgot. fun. We have fun. We, we have, have fun. fun. We have fun dressing up as Arona Busters. We, we have, have fun. fun. We have seasons in the We have sun. fun playing um, <laughs> karaoke Kari- contests. Dancing make, to make, Lollapalooza lineups. Making videos. TikTok, TikTok. She hangs out with her daughter too much because those TikTok videos are uh, reserved for children. Do, don't, do, no, no, no. Do not. Yes, they do are. not blame yes. that on her daughter. That has nothing to do with her daughter. That has everything to do with her staff, who she young. is, and the fun that they're having. Everything's fun. Don't pay no mind to the bloodshed, to the economic devastation, to the performance of K through twelve school systems in Chicago and elsewhere. Pay no mind to any of your quality of life, standard of living issues. Pay no attention to that. We're having fun because we we sing in karaoke. We got a contest. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM560. The answer. This is Chicago's morning answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, headline story in the anti-business business rag. Pro rent seeker. Chicago, crane Chicago business. Has Chicago lost its HQ appeal? Question mark. What? Why would they even be asking that question? Because everything's fine. Everything's great. Uh, Governor Pritzker is running commercials talking about how we got a bump in our state's bond rating. Everything's fine. Everything's rosy. Oh, by the way, just a parenthetical contextual remark. Illinois still has the lowest bond rating of any state in the country, despite the bump because of the COVID funny money that was drop shipped to the state like other states. Lowest bond rating in the country. That's something that the incumbent is touting. Chicago, uh, Citadel leaves. Boeing, Caterpillar, Tyson's. Tyson's. Uh, uh, Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Big deal. We're fine. Growing. Everything's good. Why even ask the question, Crane Chicago Business? Flax for the power structure. That's an impertinent question. Much less doing any actual research to unearth some disturbing trends when you look at Chicago as a competitor in the international marketplace of business location, and job creation. Chicago has the fourth, fourth most expensive overall, is the fourth most expensive overall city in headquarter operating costs, including labor, real estate, electricity, sales, property taxes, according to analysis by the Boyd Company. The cost of living in Chicago is 18% above the national average, whereas in places like Dallas, Austin, Nashville, Raleigh, Durham, places that are growing, the cost of living there in line with the national average. So that means they're a fifth less than the cost of living in Chicago. Chicago's barely growing. Oh, what? What are you talking about? This is a magnet. Chicago, the population of greater Chicago rose 1.4% between 2010 and 2020, the slowest of the 10 metro areas examined by cranes. Well, I don't get it. Everybody's moving here. All the businesses, all the people. 
It's great. Another challenge is taxes. At 9.5%, Illinois has the highest corporate income tax among those among its peers on the Cranes list. What are you talking about? Taxes, fine. They're so fine that we need to increase them. That's what Pritzker tried to do pre-pandemic. Do you remember? You remember the, the ballot initiative that you voted down? Graduate the state's income tax? Impose a additional tax burden on middle-income families? No? I don't get it. What's the problem? I see the commercials. I hear the rhetoric. I see the general amplification of said commercials and rhetoric by the dutiful handmaidens in the Chicago and Springfield press corps. I don't understand what the problem is. I'm baffled. I'm particularly baffled by this crane story, this this hit piece on the power structure in this state. Stay the course is what they'll say. That's what we're going to get from their editorial endorsements. That's what we get from all the Chicago press corps outlets that serve as the comp shop for the power structure. Real riddle here. I mean, because obviously those in charge are being straight with us, right? They're operating on the level, aren't they? More on this. Please be joined by Kathy Salvi. She's the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in Illinois, except for Schuyler County. Kathy Salvi, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, Dan and Amy, great to be on your show. And yeah, what about that Schuyler County? What what about it? My name off the ballot. This is unheard of. It's unprecedented. Now they say they're going to fix the problem, but listen, the more you dig into this, the dirtier it gets. Do you know that it's an unopposed partisan Democrat clerk in an 80% Republican county? Now, some people will say it's just a small county. Well, 5,500 votes are at stake. Are you serious? This isn't just like robbing the bank. It's like taking the entire bank away. So, and, uh, so, so, what, are, what are the what steps? Have, I mean, because I've, I've read some of this. Uh, uh, what steps have been taken by the county officials? I know they're like sequestering the ballots that were cast and resending out absentee ballots and so forth. Are you satisfied with the steps that Schuyler County officials have taken? Absolutely not. You know, there's the more we dig into this, uh, and the story changes by the day. Is it just over 300 votes at stake? Is it 100 votes? Is it 45 ballots? And what does sequestered mean? Does that mean they're put in somebody's drawer? Are they protected? Will we know? Well, we know that 45 of those votes that were cast, remember, we have early voting and then absentee ballots that are sent back in. So how? what are the numbers? No apologies, no explanation. But here's the crazy thing. This is one of this is the chief duty of a clerk, right? So the State Board of Elections is kicking the can saying, well, we certified you, Kathy. Kathy, your name should have been on the ballot. But what type of oversight is there? Are you telling me? When a ballot is looked at by first draft, second draft, draft, third draft, that this error on the top name in the ballot isn't caught? This is insane. And normally I would say, do not ascribe to malice what can be ascribed to incompetence. Right. But as we look into this, and it's a partisan leftist, uh, unopposed Democrat clerk in a county that votes over 80 percent Republican. So there's something... You know, for my name not to be on the ballot, how many votes is this? Now, first they said we won't we won't count any of the votes that went to the, the Republican name on the ballot. Well, that doesn't help. That really gives Duckworth a boost. And then they said, well, we'll count all of those uh, votes to you. But how many people would have voted for me? But they chose the, the better of two evils, maybe in voting for 
Duckworth. No, this is unacceptable. There's no way out of this. And it, election integrity is on the ballot in this election. And here we caught caught him red-handed with trying to uh, tinker with the process. And well, who, 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 like, where me, were you when you I found thought, out? Who who called you or contacted you and said, "Hey, look, you, this is wrong. There's another candidate in the Republican slot for U.S. Senate." You know, I was at a fundraiser that was being held uh, in my uh, uh, for me in Quincy, Illinois, and one of my uh, supporters, in fact, my coordinator down in Quincy and Pike County came to me and said, by the way, Kathy, your name's not on the ballot. And he's a teaser. So I thought he was joking. And he showed me the ballot. And I'm like, oh, come on. Where did you do that? And I guess, no, seriously. Well, the sister who lives up in Barrington, her, her, her good friend's uh, father uh, votes in Schuyler. And he simultaneously sent the ballot because he had ordered it absentee. And then I knew we, this, was, this spelled trouble. Okay, well, so so, so right what is so so what what have you done to lo- so what, sort of lo- look at the rest of the the other 101 counties? What's the state party doing on this issue to ensure that this is an isolated incident, whether it was incompetence or malice? Right. Well, what we're doing, uh, we're assured that it's it's nowhere. I would ask your entire. First of all, I want to ask your entire listening audience if this doesn't. Um, review up. We've got a Senate race here, Duckworth versus Salvi. I'm going to ask each one of them, each one of you uh, to vote for me, Kathy Salvi, for the U.S. Senate. Uh, Duckworth, she peddles uh, fear and distortion. And uh, I promise to be the hardest working U.S. Senator we send to Washington. And if people are concerned about the economy with record inflation, I think we're going to tilt closer to 9%. Uh, Everybody's hurt, whether they go to the grocery store or the gas pump or they pay their electric bill, you know, we're all hurting here. So I think this election will be uh, an indictment on the failed leadership of Joe Biden. And Tammy Duckworth votes nearly 100 percent of the time with that failed agenda, which has failed Illinois and America. And so we can't vote Biden out of office, but we could vote Duckworth out of office. And I ask everybody in the listening audience, three, three, three words, economy, crime, parents, parents, if you, if you care about those things, vote Salvi. There's only uh, one word in the uh, dictionary of Duckworth, like most of the Dems. That's abortion. And uh, that's the ad that she's running now attacking you, the typical abortion extremist type of stuff that we're seeing everywhere uh, in uh, statewide races around the country. And I wonder how you respond to that. I mean, even comrade Bernie Sanders has said that the Democrats need to talk more about more uh, about more issues those uh, bread and butter issues you just mentioned than abortion but uh, the Democrats in this state don't seem to think they do oh I'll I'll take on any issue in fact uh, on abortion I have been pro I'm pro-life and I'm pro-woman my whole life as an attorney I have helped scores of women who have faced the injury and even death from so-called safe and legal abortion so this is what prompted me to go to the conference on women in Beijing, China, work with the United Nations Commission on this conference back in 1995. And one of my first cases as an attorney was to represent the family of a woman who bled to death on the front seat of mom's car with mom behind the wheel from a so-called safe and legal abortion. So Tammy Duckworth's way on a limb on abortion. She wants nine-month elective abortion on demand, taxpayer-funded, with not even a doctor performing it, for God's sake. And I could tell you, I'm, I'm strongly against that. So, and so are over 80% of Illinoisans. So if you want somebody with reason and common sense who's willing to tackle issues and truly help women who face a crisis pregnancy, you've got to vote Salvi. Um, going back to what we were discussing at the top uh, before we brought you on, 
the um, data that suggests that Chicago has lost its headquarter appeal because it's uncompetitive with those urban centers that are growing. As of course, you say the same thing about the state of Illinois more generally, the only state to net lose population uh, in, from 2010 and 2020 other than West Virginia. So I don't know what all of this uh, rah-rah from, Sal- from, uh, uh, Light- well, from Lightfoot and Pritzker and Duckworth is about uh, because there's not a lot of evidence to support it, but I get they, they have to put on a good face. So, you know, as a United States senator, senator what do you do to address the fact that Illinois is circling the drain economically. It's just not competitive. It's not a place people or businesses want to come right now. Oh, well, bingo. And uh, when, when Duckworth endorsed Lori Lightfoot for mayor of Chicago and Kim Fox for another term, it just shows you how out of touch she is with Illinois. I received the unanimous endorsement of the Illinois Better, uh, Fraternal Order of Police, and that's because we need to back our police. And she's part of every vote of hers in the Senate has been to defund the police. In fact, she'd like the Safety Act to become federal law. Well, this is so out of touch with reality. And who wants to come to a city where even my friends and I've got two kids who work down, live downtown, one in Lincoln Park, one in Bucktown, and I'm just concerned for them. You know, talk to the families who seven people this past weekend now are dead because of uh, street violence in Chicago. It's just not as safe as it was under the policies of Lightfoot and Kim Fox. And, uh, you know, this is what makes it difficult to draw good talent to Illinois, and it's why many businesses are fleeing our state, because we cannot assure their safety. And who's hurt most? Those wonderful families and people who, you know, live in the city of Chicago. So this is why we're going to see a surprise in this election. I think that, you know, we have this precious right to vote, and nobody knows how you vote. What what we're doing is we're doing our best as a campaign to tamp down the corruption that seems— uh, typical of Illinois, and to allow people a choice, not only in Cook County, but the greater Chicagoland area in the entire state. So uh, let me add it. Let me add these issues that we face. But Tammy Duckworth, where is she? She hasn't been around for six years, and her policies and her leftist agenda that she votes for along with Biden, that's what's hurting and crippling our state. So if, if, if you care about the economy in, in Illinois, if you care about putting food on your table, and uh, clothing on your kids, if you care about what they're learning in the classroom, and if you care about the safety of our children and our uh, families who live in Chicago and the greater metropolitan area, you have to vote, Sally. We need change. We need balance in Washington. So the and, election uh, is uh, three weeks from tomorrow. Are you going to be debating uh, Senator Duckworth at all? Have you offered to? Has she offered you for a debate? Oh, are you kidding? I have just been itching to debate her. I have one in-person debate set up on the 27th of October. I hope everybody tunes in and watches. I asked for more, but, uh, you know, she's the incumbent junior senator. And you know who funds her? All the left-wing interest groups out of Washington. Big, big abortion business. She's no pro-woman. She's just out there to, uh, you know, answer to the, the far leftist uh, crowd out in Washington. She's a big special interest Washingtonian. She doesn't know Illinois. Listen, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. I'm a business owner over three decades here, raised in Waukegan, Illinois, first of nine kids. I've raised six kids with my husband in Mundelein, and I love Illinois. I know Illinois. And I tell you, I, I, I would be honored if the people, good people of Illinois come out and uh, so let's surprise everybody in the nation by electing this uh, uh, firebrand, me, Kathy Salvi, to the U.S. Senate. She is Kathy Salvi. KathySalvi.com is the website. 
Republican nominee for United States Senate. Be vigilant. Look, watch, make, uh, make sure you look at the names on the ballots because what happened in Schuyler County uh, Jeez, can happen man, elsewhere. So I mean, it's Illinois. You have to be vigilant. Kathy Salvi, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, great to be on your show. Thank you, Amy and Dan. Thank you. And she joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. See Larry Elder, Brandon Tatum, Alex Berenson, and many more at Freedom Summit Chicago. Tickets available at freedomsummitchicago.com. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We're uh, nearing the time in the campaign cycle where closing arguments are presented. One uh, congressional candidate in New York named Mike Itkis has already posted his closing argument. Oh, yeah, I like Mike, huh? He's running against uh, Jerry Nadler, a.k.a. Mr. Sardonicus. Uh, Itkis uh, released a 13-minute video of him. Listen, people are not going to believe this. You're going to think that this is from the Babylon Bee. No. The Onion. He posted a 13-minute video of him having sex with porn star Nicole Sage. Oh, yeah. He's running on a sex-positive platform. Oh, I love sex-positive platforms. He is promoting the legalization of sex work. That would be prostitution. Uh, He told a local outlet, if I would just talk about it, it wouldn't demonstrate my commitment to the issue. You got to prove it. And the fact that I actually did it was a huge learning experience, I bet. And it actually influenced items on my platform. Which items? And which platform? And is that a metaphor? Uh, he is running as an independent. And uh, it's the first time he says he's ever had sex on camera, but won't be the last. Oh, he likes it now? It's just become an addiction, you think? I think uh, Jerry Nadler has no choice but to respond in kind with his own sex oh, tape. okay, gross. And he can waddle over. Yeah, and going. you can have the porn star unzip okay. his pants oh, and say, wait, is th- th- this, that's not a pullover. These are my pants by my neck. <laughs> People know what Jerry Nadler looks like, right? I hope. Well, he got the lap band surgery, right? He lost a lot of weight. Uh-huh. But he's still a little man. He he literally has know, his, his pants. pants. It's like they're like they're like a fifty four eighteen. Mate, what? It, but they go over the belly area. So what's up near his breasts? But here's the thing: um, Itkus had sex with a woman. I'm thinking that Nadler needs to one up him. And do what? Have mm-hmm. a thruple? No, Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Chuck Schumer and Nadler. Promoting uh, sex positivity for gay Americans. Uh-huh. Maybe Chuck can put a blonde wig on and we can do trans Americans, too. They could do a few different iterations of this to close the identitarian show. What do you think? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also text us at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. You know what I, I'd like to see, too? I mean, I hope this is a trend. Of course, we all do. Uh, I'd like to see... J.B. Pritzker, have okay, a have a, a porn closer. Sex positivity is not just for New Yorkers, and if it is for New Yorkers, if they move to legalize prostitution, which they're going to do, then uh, we'll be following suit. Hey, it may make money for the city.
It's a good stream of revenue. Stream. Great stream of revenue. It's taxable. Great stream of revenue. We you can got, fix our roads, help the kids at schools. You got your uh, retail liquor store. You got your marijuana, marijuana dispensary. You got your check cashing station. Uh, you got your, uh, you know, uh, convenience store with lottery tickets. I guess that could also double you as retail liquor. You got your video gaming. You got your video gaming parlor. Uh, you got your casino. And then you got your brothel. That's that's Those are the staples of Illinois' economy. Uh, that's the vision of the power structure. How about a, how about a porn? What's the porn uh, plot for JB's closing argument? Do you think? Have you thought what's about this? What's your porn walk-up song? I mean, we have a debate tomorrow night. I don't want not a walk-up song. No, no, no. You, no, you can't. You're... You can't just say you're for these things. You have to prove it. So, um, anybody got a, a storyline for JB porn? JB's porn closer. That I mean, this story though. Do you did you watch the video? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't enjoy well, you pornography, the... especially no, I, you fat fifty-three-year-olds saw... and, and and that's a porn star. That girl? No, that didn't look like a porn star. I mean, not you know, not that I know who they, they are. They can't but... all be. Uh, there was a porn Stormy star Weathers or whatever her name is. What was her name? Did we have her on the? Sh- it's just somebody that went to Augustana who was actual porn star. Of course, most porn stars uh, matriculated at Augustana. Uh, she was good looking. It was just weird that you knew somebody who was a porn star. It was very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they kicked her off the school board, or she was trying to run. They said no because she was in, in pornography, but it's illegal. But anywho. Here's what I'm um, thinking. I'm thinking. Is a very uh, I think. Looking porn star. I think Pritzker, JB, uh, jets down. And and by the way, can he can he fit in a private jet, or does he have to be airlifted? Like a like a like a now, like military equipment. Now, now. He's like be a, the, better, he's dear. hanging from a, a helicopter, like one of those uh, industrial like size helicopters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, oh, you know, are we not supposed to ridicule people? Yeah. Are we not supposed to ridicule politicians? Is that is that beneath us? Right. Please make that argument, someone. Please make it. Please serve up that softball, won't you? Because I've heard it a lot. Oh, I did. oh, this is so – stick to the issues. Yeah. Please, please make that argument. Anyway, so anyway, he's uh, being airlifted to Florida. Here's my storyline. He's being airlifted to Florida. Okay. Uh, he gets to the horse farm in Wellington. Which is all rich people live there, right? That's mm-hmm. near Palm Beach. Right. He, he walks in, and MK is, uh, you know, in flagrante delecto. With uh, one of the ranch hands. Okay. <laughs> this actually right. makes me think that you spend time. All right, and then and then okay, and then what do you got? Then um, he's at first upset, but then he decides to participate. Oh my god! So uh-huh. he goes and makes. Then him, what happens, Dan? He goes and makes himself a big sandwich, and he comes up and sits on the chair and watches. I mean, he has I, been gone for a week, by the way. I think I he could sell that. He and Mayor Lightfoot have not talked to any members of the media in a week. We could we could use that as a You're tutorial not video. You're just not done yet. Uh-huh. Well, we could. I'm just thinking about how we incorporate all this. You know, I want to be trying not to think about this, and you keep going. I want to be, you know, I want to be, you know, down with the progressive struggle. Uh, so we can incorporate that as a video for K through four, K through five. Uh, consistent with the culturally responsive teaching methods. It could be a how-to, and it could also be a, a bit of a, an education on alternative relationships. 
You don't have to fit into the male, cis, patriarchal notion of a traditional family. Your family can include a ranch hand that your wife has sex with as well. And we've got some suggestions on our text line. JB is a dominatrix issuing executive orders to his slave constituents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jelly and Josie Really Biden. sticking it to the constituents, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I think you do. That is just so bizarre that that Congress, that congressional candidate made that 13-minute video. I'm just still processing that. How much of the 13 minutes was foreplay, I wonder? Rob and Wheaton, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Dan and Amy, just back from Switzerland. I sent you an email last week. Um, but I, I, I see that picture of Jerry Nadler sitting there in a chair. and You look at his fly. I've got luggage with smaller zipper <laughs> than, than his fly. But, but back to Pritzker and, and, yeah. and his missus is no twig. I think no. I don't understand how they could ever get it on without oh. without a a crane, a few winches, yeah, several pulleys, and a, a team of engineers. Yeah, no, I mean that's complicated. Thanks for the call, Rob. Well, that's why I say it's it's more of a spectator sport for him. You know what I mean? And and hey, I mean that's. I'm just. <laughs> what do you think? I think I need to fill out my FAFSA form. <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to do a Darren Bailey one? I could do that too. I should oh yeah, let's the, You know what? Let's do Darren should, Bailey. I should let's be in go. the. I should be in the San Fernando Valley. That's really where I belong. Okay. Yeah. What do you got for Bailey? Kevin, no, you actually, I don't want to hear it. Kevin in Austin, Texas. Sean, I want to thank you. You're talking about Sean. Who's Sean? About... Oh, I'm sorry. I talked. To, I talked to Sean in the afternoons once in a while. Dan. <laughs> Cheater! You're yeah. cheating on us. Better, How better you than me. You. I... <laughs> Anyhow, you were talking about. Uh, I know you. This so segment weird. with you would think it was Sean, but it's yeah, it's not. It's me. So. <laughs> that might have been why I was. Uh, yeah, since we're going down to the gutter, I was. You were talking about Fauci earlier. Why didn't they talk about you know people getting in better shape and things like that? And I decided that you know what today I'm going to fast, and I want to thank you for helping me pursue that goal. Yeah. Uh, because the story about Prince is really uh, inhibiting my uh, appetite. And uh, just a real quick, a shout out. He visited my brother uh, last week. I hope he uh, has good news this week. When I was up behind the cur- uh, Cheddar Curtain, and uh, it's amazing that uh, I do see a lot of signs out for Republican. Yep, we lost Kevin. All right, a lot of signs out for Republicans north of the Cheddar Curtain. Okay, thanks for the call. How many JB Pritzker it. signs have you seen? I finally found one mm. in my neighborhood. Well, I, I mean, you're w- welcome, though, on the uh, the fasting piece. So, right, if you guys, if you're trying to lose weight and and you don't want to do NJ diet, although you should, twenty to forty pounds guaranteed, forty days. Did you hear that? Yeah. I um, that. One way to, uh, you know, stay away from the fridge. What? Anytime you get hungry, just think of Jerry Nadler and Chuck Schumer okay. in a coital position. Well, I'll tell you what I am. Because I work out, well, I used to work out seven days a week. Now I work out six days mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. And when I'm low and I'm tired, I think I'm doing this in honor of <laughs> You don't, right. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. And in honor of the, the people that just choose not to live a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle. You're doing it for them. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me so I don't turn out to be them. Okay, fine. It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.
Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.